From May 23rd to 25th, the Human Rights Foundation's community reunited in Norway for the 2022 Oslo Freedom Forum at the Oslo Concerthus. Guests from all corners of the globe joined together to discuss the year's most pressing human rights issues and to brainstorm new ways to expand freedom worldwide. This year's theme, Champion of Change, represented a strong, scalable call to action for our community, inviting our audience to act and advocate on behalf of activists who are themselves champions and their causes. At the Oslo Freedom Forum, we realize that everyone has the potential to affect change, either as a champion on an individual level or as part of a larger movement. Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. This episode was recorded during the 2022 Oslo Freedom Forum, a global gathering of activists and dissidents united in standing up to tyranny. Since 2009, individuals have come from across the world to educate, share, and inspire at the Oslo Freedom Forum. You can watch this programming and more on the Oslo Freedom Forum YouTube or Facebook pages. Two very interesting conversations for you here today uh, in this session uh, in the Financial Freedom Track presented by CT, which we are grateful for. Um, what a lot of people don't really think about uh, in today's world is that everybody wants dollars around the world. Dollars are, for now, the most important money. And at the end of the day, if you think about the hierarchy of money, dollars are at their very top. Um, and most people around the world don't have access to a good, strong fiat currency. A lot of people in countries that have collapsing currencies want dollars. As you've heard, some of them also want Bitcoin, but we all, as we all know, Bitcoin is a volatile asset. It goes up and down in dollar terms all the time. So some of them also just want dollars, or they just want dollars. Uh, Americans have the privilege of having dollars, so why shouldn't Lebanese or Nigerians or Argentines have the privilege of having dollars? Technology has made that possible. Previous, uh, the banking system had like a control over who got dollars and who didn't get dollars. So your nationality would prevent you from doing that. Today, I've talked to people who use stable coins in everywhere from Palestine to Ukraine to, to you know, Argentina to, to China. Um, and guess what? Now they get to use dollars too, which is kind of only fair. So it's kind of interesting that we have um, this phenomenon of like <laughs> rising use of dollar assets around the world outside of the control of the U.S. banking system. So to talk about that and especially the, the, the incredible explosion of growth in that area uh, in emerging markets, we have um, three fantastic speakers. Um, we have Paolo, who's the CTO of Tether, which is the most widely used stablecoin in the world. Um, we have Irie from Helicarrier in Nigeria. She has a lot of experience running an exchange where, in a country of more than 200 people, where the most dominant cryptocurrency is actually Tether, is, is a stablecoin. And my friend Alejandro Machado, who has done a lot of work at the intersection of Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and humanitarianism over the last five, six years, and now works at BitRefill and has personally seen the power of, of stablecoins as, as someone who is originally from Venezuela. So it's my honor to have them join you and uh, welcome. Thank you very much. the concept of stablecoins, which might seem like a daunting word, but it's actually something very simple. It's just dollars 
digital dollars that anyone can use. Yeah. So why would someone need what have you seen that makes you think that a person could could want to use um, you know this technology in particular sure um, so uh, stable coins were born in 2014 with tether so tether was the first stable coin on the market the the main reason to create that uh, uh, cryptocurrency packed to the dollar was that uh, in 2014, uh, was, uh, we had uh, the uh, initial raise of, uh, of Bitcoin in, and of course it was kind of uh, growing in adoption and we had more traders joining the crypto markets and so on. But still, um, in order to access Bitcoin, you would need always to pass through a bank account. And um, uh, many, many times back in 2014, and you know, until recently, I would say, uh, there was really a high likelihood that you, your bank account would be closed if you were touching even remotely uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. So Tether was a way to, um, to, to offer an off-ramp and on-ramp solution and a really fast transaction system on the dollar. So dollar that would follow the same mechanics of Bitcoin, right? So it's a dollar, Tether is a dollar on a blockchain. So it started with that, and then eventually, with more the time was passing, it started growing extremely organically outside of, uh, of the crypto industry. So we have seen um, actual entire uh, countries starting to adopt Tether as their, uh, one of their most popular payment systems. Why? Because um, in emerging markets, we are seeing, like in, in Turkey, in, uh, in Argentina, their, their national currency is, um, is devaluating pretty quickly. In Turkey in the last 20, well, 12 to 18 months, the, uh, their national currency, the Turkish uh, lira, devaluated against the dollar by 50%. So imagine you work all the time, you, you have your job, you, you work at the end of the year, your buying power uh, uh, compared to foreign countries has been, instead of increasing or having you know, more buying power, is, is actually uh, get cut in half. So that, that's something that push people to find alternatives. And yes, the, you know, there are, uh, crypt the crypt cryptocurrencies are quite volatile, right? We have seen recently, um, especially recently in the last weeks, how, how it can go south. So stable coins are actually for, for a Turkish person, but also someone in Argentina, are actually an hedge, an hedge uh, against the inflation in their own country. They are actually an investment. That is quite crazy, right? So we are used in, in you know, in, in, in Europe, in the US, we are used to use, you have the euro, you have, you, we are used to have uh, uh, the dollar, so they are quite easy to handle uh, currencies, right? We can transact, we have great banking. But um, there are many places in the world, like in, in, in uh, Latin America, in South America, in, in Turkey, in Asia, in Africa, you have really hard and a hard time to get access to a bank account. There are two billion people in the world that have, don't have the same level of accesses to bank accounts that uh, others have, right? So, and, and it's not because they are bad people, it's just that they are too poor to have a bank account. That is even, you know, is, is sad and crazy even, even to be sad. Because the, the, reason, the reason is that opening a bank account, maintaining a bank account is extremely expensive. Because the banks are, um, have a core banking system, 
have an infrastructure that is most of the time outdated, is built on COBOL, that is a programming language of 30 years ago, or is built on anyway on infrastructures that are extremely bureaucratic, slow, uh, they need a lot of rubber and bands to be kept alive because they didn't renew themselves over the last 30, 40 years. And because they didn't have uh, to renew themselves, right? There was no Bitcoin, right? No, in 2008, something changed and Bitcoin came and uh, now there are faster, there, and blockchain came. And now this, these are all these new projects that trying to eat the, a piece of the pie of the banking system. And, um, and stablecoins are one of those, um, those things. They can allow people to have a wallet on their phone and have their own small savings, savings account in a digital form. And they can do small investments, they can do payments in a currency that is uh, quite strong, right? The, the US dollar is the most protected currency in the world, is the most ubiquitous currency in the world. So that's why stable coins matter, right? So uh, I, of course, stable coins like Tether are no Bitcoin. There is nothing like Bitcoin. I just want to make sure that this message is passing to you. But at the same time, they have a great purpose. They have a great utility for all the many people that are, you know, they may, might not believe in cryptocurrencies, but they need at heart strong currency because they, their day-to-day -day life needs that, right? They need to protect their investment, they need to send their children to universities and so on, and their national currency does not allow that. Thank you. I'm gonna uh, talk with you now a little bit, Aria. Um, what, in your experience, have you, have you seen this um, demand for holding the dollar, right, in, in a digital form, and have you seen it particularly from people who have no interest in, in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, but just as a way to, to hold a currency that is stronger, actually the, the strongest currency in the world uh, right now, which is the dollar? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'll just echo everything um, Paolo has already said in that in Nigeria, we suffer all the same issues, devaluing currency. I mean, back in um, 19... 85, the Naira, which is our local currency, was actually stronger than the dollar. And today, one um, dollar will get you maybe like almost 600 Naira. And most of that depreciation has just come over the past, let's say, like five to 10 years. So it's been really, really scary. So people don't want to leave their money in Naira because if it's just sitting there in the bank, every single day that passes, people are losing their money. So stable coins have actually been a really good alternative for people to actually use because if you wanted to even have access to dollars in Nigeria, let's say you want to keep your money in Nigeria, but you want it to be in dollars, so you would try to open a USD-denominated account. But there are so many issues with that because one, it's not accessible to everyone, but two, there's so many different restrictions on it. It's like, let's say you can only spend, if you have a dollar card, the restriction now is like you can probably spend $20 a month, which is like completely ridiculous. What are you going to do with that? And it's actually not even unheard of for the government to you know, wake up one day, or for you to wake up one day and find out that the government has just converted all your dollars into Naira at whatever rate they choose. So keeping money or dollars in Nigeria is just not, an option for most people. So most people will then try to say, okay, let's you know, send my money abroad. Let me try and you know, send it to a US bank account or something like that. And that is also incredibly difficult because, okay, how are you going to do that? 
first of all, there's obviously restrictions like I already mentioned, but even if you wanted to use something like a TransferWise or a Western Union, they're pretty slow. Um, the rates they give you are also going to be not that um, efficient, and they don't even always work. Like in some, I think TransferWise doesn't even really work with Nigeria anymore, so you don't really have any other options. And so people are now turning to stable coins because this is a way for them to access dollars without having to go through the traditional system that doesn't really allow them to do that. So most people who, like you said, aren't even really that interested in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general are very interested in stable coins as a way to just you know, have their money outside of the Nigerian financial system. Yeah. So, yeah, we see a lot of that. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. As, as a Venezuelan, um, you know, it's very difficult to trust the institutions of, of my country to keep mm. my money safe and to keep, yeah. you know, even, you know, my personal safety. You know, that there's, there's a, the lack of institutions is a, is a big problem, right? Uh, and so when, when I hold, like, if I'm lucky enough to hold a dollar account in the U.S., right, uh, most people don't have this privilege uh, if, if they're from Venezuela or from Argentina or from Nigeria. Uh, I am going to need to trust the bank that is holding my money, right? So with, with stablecoins, how does this trust model work? Like, what, what do I need to trust when I am using a particular stablecoin? Because there, there's more than one. Even though they all, like 99% of the stablecoin volume in the world is tracking the U.S. dollar. They're, they're trying to be pegged to the U.S. dollar because that's the currency with the most demand. But um, not all stablecoins are created equal, right? So can you tell me a bit about what, what you have observed uh, at helicarrier companies uh, about this mm -hmm. demand for different stablecoins and, and why do you think they, there's demand for one or the other? Um, yeah, so for us um, at Helicarry, we operate an, ex an exchange called Bycoins, so people can trade in different currencies. And the two stablecoins that we support are Tether, USDT, and then USDC. And we chose those because um, they were the most popular. They're the ones that people ask us for. And what we've seen is um, Tether in particular has been extremely popular because it was the first to be on the Tron network, which um, had a lot lower fees than, you know, the Ethereum network. So I think when people actually are choosing between, okay, which one they want to use, it's mostly about efficiency. It's mostly about what they're trying to achieve. So if people are saying, okay, they want to get dollars out of the country as quickly as possible, they're probably gonna go with Tether. And then now I wanna like raise the question to you, Paolo. How do people, how do we, if this is such a useful tool, to be able to take, um, to opt into the currency of your choice, no longer be bound by the Naira or the Argentinian Peso or the Venezuelan Bolivar, but actually if I want to keep my money in dollars uh, or a dollar IOU, I can do that now. So how do we uh, show people um, that stable coins are trustworthy and how do we kind of like govern the system in a way that is better than what governments have done so far? Uh, in a way that, you know, like I, I can say, okay, I have this many dollars and I can trust that that's not going away. I have only 30 minutes and 40 to answer <laughs> that because it's going to be really long. But otherwise, so of course, this uh, opens the question of what happened in the last uh, two weeks, right? With also other stable coins like algorithmic stable coins yes. that um, uh, went down the toilet uh, pretty quickly after the first attack, right? So I think that um, definitely there are the categorization of stable coins is going is really important. You have algorithmic stable coins, but actually you have then on the other side um, portfolio backed stable coins that uh, are 
uh, have uh, for, for the majority assets that track the US dollar, right? So if you need to pay back to people uh, a dollar worth of money all the time, you need to have in your backing um, something that tracks the dollar. So um, one of the interesting things is that uh, with Tether, actually, we proved that we were able to pay, repay to um, whomever was uh, withdrawing Tether from, uh, uh, from the stablecoin. We were able to process $7 billion in 48 hours of redemptions, right, without refusing the redemption. And over, over, seven, over seven days, pretty much, was the total amount is between 10.5, 11 billion dollars. Now, the question is, and we could have gone farther than that, right? We had all the liquidity to keep to keep going, right? So uh, we, I always uh, said to you know whenever whoever was asking me, try us, right? So we can we can repay, and I know that uh, you know really openly, I know that there was a lot of fad, lot of concerns in the past, but we actually so Tether is actually the only single institution that uh, publicly proved that it could process seven billion in dollars in withdrawals in two days. Now the question is, which banking institution can do that? Right? So if you go to your own country and ask to your bank, can you process, because $7 billion is pretty much 10% of uh, Tether assets. Do you think that your bank can process 10% of withdrawals of, uh, of, of, our, of the entirety of their assets in two days? I don't think so. So, and again, we could have gone farther than that. So uh, that is the stability. So no other stablecoin, by the way, has been proven with this liquidity and with this speed and using the banking rails, right? So we, of course, this, um, I mean, I, I'm really pleased because, of course, there is um, one thing is saying, well, we are backed and we have the money and we can do this and that. On the other thing is, you know, suddenly, randomly, right, everything is crashing. There is a lot of concern. Uh, Terra, Luna, the entire ecosystem is losing billions, tens of billions of dollars, right? So it's, it's been said that uh, in, in just a few weeks, uh, $1 trillion was, uh, was wiped out from the, from the crypto industry. And then, so you, every single customer is asking, okay, is, is all fine? And then you can prove it with facts. So we are not anymore at the stage where we have to say, okay, yeah, but we can do it. We proved that we could do it. We proved that the stablecoin, at least our stablecoin, is liquid, is safe, is fast, and it does whatever, everything that we said it could do. Okay. Um, any last comments? We only have a few seconds left. <laughs> so, so I, I said I was going to be long. a little bit more time. Um, I mean, I would just say that it's also the responsibility of people that run exchanges like us to make sure that we are listing, you know, coins responsibly and doing our research before we actually offer it to just anyone. So, Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, right on time. <laughs> thank you very much. Sorry, yeah. sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.